Hello and welcome to Women Decode STEM and I am your host Neha Savanu. In this podcast I talk to women in science, engineering, technology and mathematics fields. We will be discussing career paths, gender equality and mentorship. Dr. Kilan C. Ashad Bishop is a biomedical scientist and an advocate for social change. After she earned a PhD in cancer biology, she was able to carve out the perfect career as a postdoctoral researcher at University of Miami School of Education and Human Development and serve as the director of college access for Breakthrough Miami. She is a true advocate for equality and inclusion in health, science and society. She's volunteered for several K-12 and college STEM programs to provide students with access to STEM education. She also serves as the vice chair of the City of Miami Climate Resilience Committee. She's also co-founded STEM Noir, a research conference and holistic wellness retreat for women of the African diaspora in the STEM fields. I'm sure all of you are going to be inspired by her story. Hi, Kilan. Thank you so much for joining us today. No problem. Thank you for having me. That's awesome. I hope you're doing well. All things considered, absolutely. Same to you. How's everything going? Yeah, it's good on my side. Thank you. So the first thing I want to know about your career is how did you decide that you wanted to do a PhD in cancer research and then become a scientist? Like, Where did it all start for you? So when I was a kid, when I was young, I mean, really young, math and science were my thing. I was a typical nerd. Uh, And so, you know, I was a really smart kid, really gifted, but math and science came easily to me. And I liked them. I liked the content. I usually liked my teachers, uh, which makes a big difference. And so I decided relatively early on um, at my mother's request, that I wanted to be a scientist. Um, she just wanted me to pick a, a goal. And it was really my mind that I was gonna save the world with drugs, direct quote. Um, <laughs> but uh, when I first started out, I wanted to like improve the quality of pharmaceuticals and you know things that we use to treat diseases. That evolved over time. My interest evolved from general biology specifically to cancer biology, and also my goals evolved from wanting to exist in the realm of industry and pharmaceutical research and development uh, to more general science that has a more direct correlation with like positive social change and maybe something that doesn't have as long of a pipeline. Yeah, that makes total sense. And it definitely is making a difference to the world, right? Like you said earlier, um, you want to change the world with the pharmaceutical industry. So yeah, I'm sure that is doing that. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do currently, what your job entails? Absolutely. So right now, by day, I am a postdoctoral researcher in the University of Miami School of Education and Human Development. I also, as a part of that work, direct uh, college access programming uh, for a nonprofit called Breakthrough Miami. And Breakthrough Miami is is a phenomenal organization. So it's an eight-year academic enrichment program. We recruit highly motivated, rising fifth graders 
and work with them until they graduate high school with the goal of getting them to enroll at four-year colleges with as much financial aid as possible. And what's really unique about Breakthrough is they form partnerships with various institutions here in Miami. So they have, we have six sites. Some of them are middle school sites and our high school site where I work is the University of Miami. It was Breakthrough who basically established and funded a postdoctoral position at the university. Oh. You know, right. I don't know many other nonprofit organizations that have the clout, if you will, to establish and place a postdoc in an academic institution, but that, that's how this went. And so it's really interesting because on one hand, I have the research side of my postdoc where it's about skills development, as I'm sure you know, where it's about the, demonstrating the ability to secure funding uh, and complete research projects, publish or perish, all of that. On the other side, I'm working with 500 9th to 12th grade youth, making sure that they uh, are on the right track to be highly competitive for you know whatever post-secondary institution that they're interested in. So it's a lot, um, but it's fascinating to kind of be on both sides, to have the research side, but also have the nonprofit side, which puts me you know more in the real world. Yeah, I think that's incredible. Like two different things. One is you're continuing with your career, what uh, studied so far and what you've worked on research so far. And the other side is getting more um, students into STEM programs, which is amazing. So that's great work. I remember from an earlier conversation we had, you had an incredible story, how you got your current job. And I think that'll be very interesting for our listeners to know. Do you want to share how you found your current job? Sure. I graduate from the University of Miami Miller School of Medicine with my PhD in cancer biology in December of 2018. I really wanted to do what I'm doing now, but I don't know that I could have told you that. But I knew that I didn't just want to be in the lab. I knew that I, whatever I did, I had to also have footing in the real world, to have something that I could point to as work or professional experience. And what's crazy is even though that PhD took six and a half years, that just goes under you know, the education part of one's resume or CV. And I was tired. I don't know how, I don't know how people do it, but I was tired. I was tired of knowing that I had all this professional experience, but not being able to categorize it as such. And so I went off to DC uh, to do the Christine Resign Science and Technology Policy Fellowship. And wow, completely transformative. And my mentor was Tom Rudin. He's the, the director of the Board on Higher Education and Workforce and also the Committee on Women in Science, Engineering and Medicine within the National Academies. And so I had this like tumultuous graduate school experience that was nothing like what I wanted or maybe even needed it to be. And all of a sudden, I was in an environment where not only was my mentor the literal best person ever, but he also was really committed to making uh, the experience one that would move me from that place of trauma that graduate school put me in, like into a place of prosperity. And the conversations that I was able to be a part of were about transforming the environment from which I had just escaped. And I use that language intentionally because I literally clawed my way and escaped from that place. And so 
when I finished up that fellowship, what became abundantly clear to me is that I wanted to be in science policy, and I put that in air quotes, but I didn't want to do it from DC. I wanted to be a part of that decentralized science education policy sphere, and it would require me to go back local. And there were other things that pulled me back to Florida as well, but I came back here and I took a job uh, in the corporate sector. I was a medical science consultant, and the rationale behind that was I knew I didn't want to be there long term, but I needed to something that would bring me back to Miami, allow me to afford to live while I worked this network that I had made in graduate school that everybody told me was going to be super valuable down the line to find the position that I actually wanted to occupy. And so, you know, I was working this corporate job and everything that I knew that I would not like about corporate was the case. Everything that I knew I would like, a lot, a lot of free food and great Christmas gifts was also the case. So, you know, that time was great. And that time, you know, was that professional experience that I was looking for, but it wasn't necessarily purpose aligned. So, you know, when I was putting out the lead, like I would like to switch positions, it wasn't I want to just be out of this job. It was, I want to be in a position that allows me to get the experience that I'm going to need to diversify STEM, to transform graduate education and make sure that people don't have the experience that I had uh, and to make sure that talent is actually fostered instead of being crushed. And so a friend of mine called me and said, hey, I think I have a perfect position for you. And I was like, say more. So he said, why don't you come to happy hour with my CEO and I? And I was like, okay. So we, you know, go, I meet this lovely woman and we were talking about some of the things that I had dedicated myself to in my extracurricular life. So some of the advocacy work that I had started during graduate school, I started doing climate advocacy and worked my way to um, a leadership position on the city's climate resilience board. So we talked about that. We talked about some of the work that I had lent my talents to for K-12 outreach. Um, I had just come off of doing a climate-themed STEM Saturday for an organization called Divya Dreams. So, you know, I had kind of pictures and evidence of all of these like transferable skills that I don't ever feel like we're really valued in an academic setting, but when I was talking about them across the table from this woman who was, you know, my prospective employer, mm -hmm. they made me marketable. And she was like, yeah, so we have two positions open. One is a postdoctoral position at UM. It's our host site. It would be, you know, the goal of that postdoc would be programmatic. We want you to execute the program. We want you to lead the formation of partnerships, new partnerships and opportunities that we can explore to you know, just grow and grow and grow that partnership. She was like, this other position is director of the, the program. So that's a breakthrough Miami employee that would be you know, handling the logistics of programming as far as scholars and everything like that. And um, here we are in the present day, I took both. <laughs> wow. So we went through the interview process. It was originally envisioned for two different people but I felt like the, with the skills that I had and also with the way that I wanted to position myself after post postdoc, um, that there couldn't be one or the other. It had to, it had to be both. And it's a little crazy. I, I admit now that it's a little, it was a little crazy. Um, 
to take those two jobs and kind of just mesh them into one. But, you know, like I said, I wanted to be a researcher with a foot in the real world. And this really does allow me the opportunity to exist in both sectors of academia and, and nonprofit higher ed and education adjacent organization. And I've learned so much in what has only been seven months. That's incredible. And I think a lot of that would help the current situation or the current job seekers who working to find their first job or they've lost their jobs and they're trying to find a job. And I think some of the advice that you can provide them would be very beneficial because right now there are no physical networking events. So you have to look at other mediums to make a conversation with potential employers. So do you have any advice for them? Absolutely. Um, so like you said, when COVID hit us and c- coronavirus is far from, from done with us, immediately what happened is we were all ushered into our homes. And we should still be there, even though a lot of people are not <laughs> taking that advice. Uh, and so one thing that I have always done, and like it's been, it's been a joke sometimes because I take it so serious, I've always had a business card. I had a business card in undergrad. I had I have business cards to this day. I've switched to virtual business cards now. Uh, I use an app called Haystack. It lives on my phone. I can airdrop it. I can text it. I can email it. But I also keep physical ones. Like when I met somebody that I liked or when I or wanted to continue to talk to, um, I always had a business card or a way for them to remember that they had met me. And it's not as if I'm handing out business cards and then they're, they're calling me. It's more like when I email, it's not cold. You know you met me and if that name, Keelan, looks slightly familiar, you have, let me go back and look through because I feel like I've seen that. We have something to start with. It's very easy to get caught in uh, wherever you are in a bubble. So if you are in the corporate sector, it's very easy to only network in your company or in your sector. If you're in the nonprofit world, it's very easy to get caught there, especially if you're in academia, it's very easy to get caught there. And if you are more comfortable in your bubble, the very least that you can do is make it easy for people to find you. So I would suggest that everybody get, you know, hip on Robin Fenty's internet and start a website. It's cheap to maintain. Um, they're easy to design. There's a lot of softwares that you know have templates that you can use and reproduce. But be able to show and demonstrate and establish who you are. Tell your story. And then let people do with that what they will. But in the absence of social media, in the absence of a web presence or any kind of digital presence, especially now, How are people going to know you and how are you going to establish yourself uh, and stand out? It's very, very challenging. It's not impossible, but it's challenging. And so the same way that I came into my current job position by virtue of A, my network, and B, having a portfolio of work that I could point back to, that would be my recommendation for anyone, network, or at least tell a story that allows people to network with you. Um, And then also when they do find you or when you find them, be able to very clearly narrate who you are and what you want to do, what your passions are, um, and how how you live those. Um, I never thought of having a business card um, in my undergraduate or even graduate program. So I think that is 
a value add definitely if anybody's listening and looking for jobs get on with that i think these days everybody has a personal website to demonstrate their skill sets great advice thank you so now i want to talk a little bit about your other side of work um like you mentioned including your day job and outside your day job you're involved with multiple organizations from being the vice chair at climate resiliency committee of miami um you're the director of breakthrough miami helping students get access to stem education and also you have co-founded uh, stem noir so What is your motivation behind taking on all of these social advocacy programs? So anything that I do um is not just for me. There's very few things I should say that I do that are solely for me. Um and that's not everybody's story and that's absolutely okay. And when I decided that I wanted to go into science, it was because I lost my grandfather to cardiovascular complications and I wanted to spare another family. the pain of that loss um when i started having issues throughout my education and training because i have a whole lot of personality and like there's not a whole lot of space for personalities like mine in science when there were bumps in the road it would have been very easy to be like well this is only happening to me and so i just need to change myself and you know fit in with the systems and and things will change but a quick google search will tell you that's not the case right like there are people all over who are having similar tumultuous experiences and so when i was going through that it became about how i could prevent the next person from having to go through that hardship when i decided to take on uh, the advocacy role doing climate work i'm not a climate scientist i'm a cancer biologist um but it doesn't take very much information to be able to link climate change and health disparities like the ones that we can see laid very bare um in cancer incidents and cancer death and so i accepted an invitation to serve in that role and through time have been able to grow in that space what keeps me grounded is my why and my why is just using my gifts and talents to drive positive social change and that looks a bunch of different ways it really does like it it manifests in so many different avenues um and channels it's a little hectic but it has also been insanely enriching um like i was saying earlier about you know taking control of your narrative and being able to tell your story when i have to describe myself i'm a scientist despite anything else that i may do i'm a scientist and it is by virtue of my science that i write and i speak and i innovate um and i serve for those like me who set out into something you know to save the world or to change the world it is very easy to give and give and give until you are broken into little itty bitty pieces and what good are you to the world in pieces and so that was the motivation behind like my most recent endeavor which was co-founding stem noir with Teresa we just collectively both knew so many black women who go into stem with these intentions to innovate and change things and because it's a field that was made on our backs but not made for us um it can be very very toxic education and training can be toxic workplaces can be toxic 
we're constantly hearing narratives of underrepresentation and abuse, right? And it, it's all taxing. It all is chipping away at that whole person. And so we decided to curate STEM Noir, which is a research and wellness community for Black women in STEM, uh, to foster more of a holistic support network for women like ourselves. I'm, like I said, I'm a cancer biologist. Teresa is a plant physiologist. I am American, born and raised. Teresa is educated here, between here and Trinidad, uh, but she's a native of Trinidad and she lives there now. And even though we have these varying life experiences and ways in which we came into STEM, there are so many similarities. That's been an amazing journey and it's been very, uh, very transformative for everyone involved because when we started looping in different women that were mission aligned to take part, uh, we didn't have to do much selling. It was crazy. Like all we had to say was this is a research community, research and wellness community for black women in STEM. And the answer was dope. How do I help? <laughs> um, and it just to me, it really speaks to the need for the community. If we had to sell, if we, if people were still asking why, especially black women in STEM were asking why, then we might have to think about like, wait, is it really just us? Um, but instead, the response has been so robust, both in, you know, our personal networks of people just going, yeah, I like this. I mess with this. Good job. And also the response that, that we've gotten online thus far. That's amazing. Like you said, when you build a community or when you start building a community, a lot of people realize that there are others around who have similar experiences and everyone comes together for this one purpose. So that's really amazing. So throughout the process of building the community and you've been running it for a while now. So what is your experience in terms of breaking some stereotypes around black women in STEM fields throughout their careers? So First of all, what has been, I think, everyone's experience is constantly pushing back on what a scientist looks or acts like. like and that has been, I mean, I'm the kind of person that constantly receives feedback because I'm relatively well socialized. A scientist, you can't be a scientist. Scientists are weird. They're old white guys with glasses. They're you know, always in a lab, where's your lab coat? They're always throwing around their titles and you introduce yourself as Keelan instead of Dr. Bishop. So one thing like in for sure is that I think, no, not I think, many of the women that I encounter are very committed to bringing their full selves to science and representing their full selves to other people who may be interested in science. Uh, where it's like, yeah, sometimes I throw in my hair in this librarian bun and I go to the lab or I'm sitting over a computer writing grants. But there are other times that, you know, I'm in a dress, I'm in heels, I'm going out, you know, we can do both. Uh, and not everybody wants to do both, but it's not about willingness. It's about capacity. Everybody has the capacity to be a scientist and uh, whatever they want to be, a black female scientist, a female scientist, a black scientist, and. And it's really the ands that make us stand out, right? Like, I am a black female scientist and a health and wellness enthusiast. I work out almost every day. I eat well. Um, I have a green thumb. I have 35 
plants between my apartment and my balcony, right? Like it's the and that's fascinating um, most of the time because it's like, wow, I didn't, I see myself in the and and now I can affiliate maybe with that first part. Also, what I what is a collective uh, community builder as well is just realizing like we are not the first generation of black female scientists. We are just the first generation that is like, yeah, nah, y'all not, y'all not finna ignore us. <laughs> it's not that we're even the first generation that has said that, but like we have these tools like the internet, like social media, where visibility is so much greater. We're no longer talking about, you know, me being in Miami and only being known in Miami because that is the physical space which I inhabit. We're talking about me being in Miami and curating my page and content that anybody in the world can see. And so we have had help in our increased visibility as like this generation of Black female sciences. And when you think about things, especially recently, George Floyd's death and the deaths of other Black um, and Brown folks around this country, the United States, and then everyone realizing or affirming that Black lives matter and are important, uh, a part of that is also, you know, uplifting us. And so everything is really timely with our existence right now. But one thing that I admire about at least the women in my network is we're always cognizant, or many of us are cognizant of that fact. We're cognizant of the fact that our ancestors were the ones whose backs modern medicine and modern scientific endeavor were built on. And so claiming our identity and the fullness of our identity is not only about us, it's also a way to honor them. Uh, and so, you know, part of the work is about breaking stereotypes and being like, look at me, I can do 300 push-ups. I cannot do 300 push-ups, but I can do 300 push-ups in my sports bra and tights and also then, you know, teach you how to culture some cancer cells. But the other part of it is just bringing awareness to a population that has long been ignored and devalued. Yeah. This is such an important conversation. And right now, um, like you said, I'm glad that this is happening. The revolution is happening around the world and people are opening up to accept this right. and have these open conversations. So I think it's really important. So another thing that I wanted to ask you about is you're hosting uh, the Black Women in STEM Week from July 13th to 19th. So uh, do you want to tell us a little more about what this is and uh, who can join this and how is it impacting the community? Yes, I would love to. So Black Women in STEM Week is our virtual convening that is, you know, really replacing what was supposed to be our inaugural conference uh, in Puerto Rico in June of this year. Obviously, when COVID-19 dropped its first mixtape earlier in 2020, we got a little nervous um, and just, you know, from a liability standpoint, from a partnership standpoint, felt it would be best to postpone until 2021. But just because we have to not physically meet until potentially next summer did not mean that we had to stop the momentum that we were building. And so Black Women in STEM Week is really a demonstration of that, of everything that we stand for. There are some events that are field focused. So we're having a networking mixer on Tuesday uh, with the goal of bringing together 300 Black women in STEM across various fields. And 
that'll be professionally focused. Um, but we have some other things like we're doing a virtual paint and sip that have nothing to do with science necessarily, but are more just spaces for community building um, and you know holistic wellness. Like I said earlier, what good are you to the world in pieces? Um, so you know this week is about is a series of events that are about catering to the whole woman instead of just the scientific uh, researcher or engineer or mathematician or tech aficionado part of, of our identities. Um, the entire agenda can be found, you know, on our website, assemnoir.org. And as far as who can participate, you know, I find that to be a fascinating question because we get it a lot. Um, we've, from the beginning of curating this community until now, you know, people want to know, am I allowed, if I'm Black adjacent, right? If I am a Black man, if I am a white woman, but I want to learn more about the experiences of others, like, can I come? What I always say is, this is a space that centers intentionally and will always center Black women. If you know how to be in a space that does not center you, then you are welcome to come. If you know how to make space for those who have actually been historically disenfranchised and those for whom this community is curated, then you are welcome. If you are one of those people who does not know how to make space, all you ever do is take, or if you will have a relatively visceral or violent reaction to not being centered in conversations or activities, then this may not be the space for you. Um, because we don't want anybody to have a bad time. And so, you know, you'll note that my answer has nothing to do with race, ethnicity, gender, or sex assigned at birth, but more to do with the way that you conduct yourself in spaces that, you know, are curated to uplift and honor a certain population that I think we've been very clear <laughs> about. <laughs> yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah, I can understand what you're getting at. You want to hold true to what you're building there. You have others who are wanting to be a part of it, to understand better or to experience what is happening within the community. So yeah, I totally get it. Yeah, thank you so much for that. That's wonderful. And I'm waiting for the event to start so I can take a look at what's happening as well. Yes, and I hope, I mean, I hope you can join us for a few things. The, the full agenda is up on the site now. We did open RSVPs, so I suggest you scoot on over um, and, and check it out and let us know which night you'll be joining us. For sure, yeah. I'll share it on my Instagram account as well, and I'll leave the link on the show notes on the podcast as well, so people can take a look. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. Yeah. Thank you, Kiran. Thank you for joining us today. But before we let you go, I have a rapid fire round for you. Oh, yes. Okay, I'm ready. Okay, let's go. <laughs> First question, being organized or attention to detail? Attention to detail. Okay, wonderful. Second question, who is your role model? Beyonce. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I a lot of us, Yeah. <laughs> Okay, the last question. Describe yourself in one word. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's, that's intriguing. One word is not enough, and I, all my preparation did not lead me to a place where I was ready to answer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Um, I think we know a lot about you throughout the interview process. So um, we'll keep that as your answer <laughs> for now. <laughs> My answer and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> okay, wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is wonderful talking to you. No problem. And like I said, thank you so much for the invitation. Thank you so much for the work that you're doing and highlighting, you know, women in STEM and just women in the world who are doing things that, you know, other people may find inspiration in. It's really, honestly, it's really important work the same way that STEM Noir is focused on representation. So is Women Decode. So we appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you all so much for listening to Women Decode STEM. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're new here, please do subscribe. And if you can spare a minute to give us a review on iTunes or any other platform that you're listening on, it will help greatly to spread the message to a wider audience. I also want to let you know that the next week's episode is going to mark the end of season one of Women Decode STEM. And in the next episode, I will reveal what the season two is going to be about. So stay tuned.